When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And Smetty here. So this is not my first live show rodeo. I'll be drinking. There we go. I'll be drinking my fair share of Guinness. That's the first thing I asked when I'm coming out to do something. Can I drink? They said yes. I said hell yeah. Hell yeah. Jess, Jess is ready to do shots, I think. No, 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 never, Mike. Um, we're very excited to be here, though. We're going to have some guests coming up in a little bit. Um, on our show every week, Mike and I like to talk about Notre Dame football. We yes. like to talk about college football, uh, the NFL. So we're going to be talking about all of that tonight. We're going to do a little Notre Dame-Stanford preview. Um, so it should be fun. Hope you guys are sticking around with us. So thank you to O'Rourke's for having us. Thank you to Guinness and to DraftKings. We're excited to be here. Absolutely. We're going to have a few guests. We're going to have, uh, you'll know the names, Kurt Heinisch played ball here for years. <laughs> Kurt Heinisch, uh, the, uh, the buys start this week. So Kurt's with the Texans. They're on a buy. So he was nice enough to start coming for the game and stop by. We're also going to talk to the man who is... Uh, the analyst on NBC for Notre Dame games, Jason Garrett, will be here as well. And also, this is the 19, the National Championship 1977 reunion weekend. And my brother Bob is here. How did, you, brother, how yeah. did you book him? I, I know, it's a tough book. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it. I had geez. to pull out a whole lot of cash for that. So we'll relive... For, you, for those of my age, we'll relive the 77 title year for a little bit. And that's some of the fun Jess and I have. I was an 85 grad here. Jess was 2016. She graduated with my daughter. So we have a bit of a generation gap going on here. Yeah, our generation gap is actually so big that neither of us were that affected by the Blink-182 news this week. There's no, an entire, no, entire generation in between us. My, yeah, well, my, what happened? Don't worry about all it. All right, never mind. Sorry about that. Her dad actually lived in the same dorm as my brother Bob. Brother Bob, his his freshman year was 1975, so I was 12 years old. I was a kid running around campus, you know, and there's Joe Montana and the late, great Ross Browner and other great players. It was really wild. And then, you know, six years later, I find myself here. My brother Greg played here as well, kind of roaming around and, and being a student here doing all the things all you former students or current students do. And just so you know, we did the same damn thing you guys do, okay? <laughs> you may call us old. We did the same shit you did, all right? You got nothing on us that you did anything different than we did. My years, unfortunately, here football-wise were not that great. Our best season was 7-4, and four. went to a couple of bowl games. I will say my junior year, we beat Doug Flutie in the Liberty Bowl, so I was happy about that. Always good to beat a guy. Always good to beat BC. They'll be rolling in here later. We'll kick the crap out of them. <laughs> uh, 
So, you know, like I said, the football years weren't the best. But from a personal standpoint, I met my wife is also here. I met my wife the Aww. first day of school. Wow. The absolute first day of school we met. And then we started dating senior year and got married while I was in the NFL. So I guess that's probably more important than anything, right? So that was probably the, the best thing that came out of your Notre Dame career, Mike? Well, I mean, she's here, so yeah, I have to say yes, Yeah, that's right? a good one. Um, don't, I, don't I have to say yes? Fortunately, when I was a student here, I was here from 2013 to 2016, the football team was a little bit better. My senior year was a very good season. Right. We won lots of games. I think we went 10-3, and three, played in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, but I think my favorite game that I've ever watched at Notre Dame Stadium was actually when I was a little kid. So like you mentioned, both of my parents went to Notre Dame. And so I grew up coming to games and I grew up in Chicago. So it was a quick drive. And my parents took me to a game in 2006. It was a very exciting game. Do you think you can guess who the opponent was of my favorite Notre Dame football game I've ever attended? It was in 20, 2006 and Brady Quinn was the quarterback. It wasn't USC, was it? It was UCLA. You were close. I was going to say, because USC was a bush push that we lost. That was yeah, a horrific game. Uh, that yeah. was 2005. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was not at that game, luckily. Yeah. No, yeah. we don't have to talk about that. Um, for anyone who's just joining, this is Golik and Smeddy. Mike and I are here presented by DraftKings. We're here uh, with Guinness as our, as our presenting sponsor, and we're going to be here for the next hour and a half or so talking about Notre Dame. We have some guests joining us in a little bit. We have... Kurt Heinisch, uh, Jason Garrett, and Mike's brother, who was a, a tough guest to book. Yes, he was very tough. So wait, so you got here, th you weren't here for the national title game? Then, I was right? not. For those that don't know, before Jess came to Notre Dame, she went to Clemson. She went to friggin' Clemson. Are you trying to get people to boo me? Yeah. That's yeah. not nice. Boo, I'm booing you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Went to Clemson. But I ended up coming to Notre Dame. That's all that matters, right? She realized what a mistake she made. So <laughs> then she, she came to Notre Dame from there. So uh, listen, we, uh, she had a, we, we always talk about, the, again, the generation gap that we had. But the one, and, and also you bake, Jess is a phenomenal baker of pastries and, <laughs> and desserts. Mike, Mike, I baked you something for the I show for and I, I left it back there. Oh, I so can't you might wait. be getting it after the show. If I, remember. And I'm not sharing. Uh, It'll taste all. great with a Guinness, though. Yeah. I promise oh, okay. you that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. When we have our guests up here, Jess is going to ask us some trivia questions, and we'll uh, winner of that will throw out some merchandise to you guys uh, from DraftKings. So again, we appreciate uh, everybody showing up here. We we really do. Um, so listen, we're from Notre Dame. We talk Notre Dame. We'll talk some NFL. We'll talk some college football. But as far as Notre Dame. Listen, we got a three-game winning streak going. We're going in the right Woo! direction. Everybody got to be happy about streak. that now, right? A winning record. I, I know. I know there was some very. I know there was some very high expectations at the beginning of the year, being preseason number five and such, and the loss to Ohio State. Then, unfortunately, the loss to Marshall. But we run off three straight. I was at the game in Vegas, which was a lot of fun, except for the gambling, where I lost a lot of. I lost a lot of money gambling, Mike, but we won. That's all that matters. <laughs> that is all that matters. Well, we'll get into more college football picks for the weekend later, but, Mike, I wonder if uh, you experienced this last week in Vegas. I heard from a number of Notre Dame football fans that there were Notre Dame fans 
rushing the sports books, putting money on Tennessee for some reason last weekend and their big game. Um, I'm not sure why there was sudden interest in Notre Dame fans betting uh, on Tennessee. I would football, say somebody got inside information. That's what I. That's what I think. <laughs> either that, or it ended up being Brian Kelly's worst home loss yeah, uh, in the last yeah. 20 years. That too. How many? Uh, you know, our our. Everybody knows, obviously, Brian Kelly left here to go to LSU. Do you, do you guys, do you guys root for LSU or root against LSU? No hard feelings, though, right? Yeah. We, we don't want to be the scorned exes in the relationship, right? Yeah, we kind of saw that coming, yeah, though. Yeah, that's fair. That they were, that were going to do that. Uh, but, yeah, so three in a row by Notre Dame. We'll get into more college. There's actually for the second time in college football, there are three undefeateds of at least 5-0 and or more playing one another. So it's going to be a monster weekend for college football uh, led by Tennessee and Alabama, which is before the Notre Dame game. So that, that's good. And Mike has been obviously living in Bristol for a while until this year you moved and right. now you're here in South Bend a lot of the time. And so Mike hasn't had a lot of experience tailgating. I have not. Which I know everyone here is doing tomorrow, right? I mean, that's why we're all here, right? We want to watch the game, but we're also here to tailgate. So Mike, I wrote down some tailgating tips for you. Oh, I need tips. Okay. The first thing, a question I want to know is, it's a 7.30, and Kurt Heinisch is going to join us in just a minute or two. Uh, it would be great to talk to him. But 7.30 game, what time do you start tailgating for a 7.30 game? You, not, um, my, my, my friends whose tailgate I go to say 9 a.m., I'm going to say 10.30. 10.30 for a 7.30 game. That way you get brunch, lunch, dinner, go to the game. I would be passed out and done. <laughs> There, there is no way I could do that. Mike, that's why we need to get to my three tailgating tips for you, all right? All right. My number one tailgating tip for Mike tomorrow, when you're tailgating, every food is a finger food. Every food is a finger food. That's key. No utensils, right? No utensils ever. Even if you have a dip, use your finger. Like, we're okay. a family here, right? I like right? that. You don't need utensils. And if you're buying plastic knives for your tailgate, save your money. No one's using plastic knives at a tailgate. Right, right, all right, right. My number two advice for you, Mike, and this is honestly, I think, applies to every day. Carbs are your friend. Carbs are Carbs your friend are your when friend. you tailgate. Carbs are my you Carbs need, have been my friend for a long time. That's accurate, I'm a former yeah. D-lineman. We got a D-lineman <laughs> coming on. We know what carbs are all about. Exactly. You got a carb load while you tailgate. Um, my, my final piece of advice, and no tailgate is complete until you do this. You need to do the obligatory throw a football, play cornhole. You have to play some, some sort game. of game. Okay. Some I can sort do of that. game in the parking lot while you're preferably while you're holding a beer or eating finger food. Okay. I like that. When you first said that, I thought you were going to say you have to throw up. You said no. throw. I thought you said throw As, up. If you are throwing up, you are not doing it the right way. Do not, do not do. If you follow my rules, that will not happen. Okay. All right. All right. So no, no throwing up. Okay. Good tips to know. I'll be out there to do that. I appreciate that very you're much. You're welcome. Yes. You need the help, you. honestly. Right, I can I tell you're not uh, in, in season right now. I am right not now. a big tailgater uh, at all. I never had time, you know, as a player, and then work in the game. So it makes it difficult. We can give Kurt the same tips. Because he yes. doesn't have time to tailgate either. Exactly. Yeah. I think we should definitely do that. Yeah, we'll do that. We have a microphone for Kurt. 
All right, everybody, really want you to listen up to this. We're bringing back one of the Notre Dame greats here. All right, he's playing with the Houston Texans right now, but holds the record for most games played at Notre Dame, I believe. I believe, and we're getting you a microphone. I, I'm going to get the number right here. Everybody, Kurt Heinisch. Kurt Heinisch. Woo! So, Kurt, if I... Tell me if I'm wrong. 61 games? Uh, yeah, I think it's 61. I think 61? It's 61, yeah. So Kurt holds a record for most games played in the Notre Dame uniform, 61 games. So that's pretty damn impressive. That is very impressive. And I have um, a question for you as someone. You grew up in Pittsburgh, right? Yes. And then you came to Notre Dame. Correct. And now you live in Texas. Yes. Do you have a southern accent yet? <laughs> Not yet. But I am here with my family over here. <laughs> no southern accent. It's now, it's what, the symmetry, I got drafted by the Houston Oilers. Now, who are out now? The Tennessee Titans. But I started my career in Houston as well. It's so, hot. Yeah, it's, it is, it's hot there. Yeah. yeah, it is hot and humid there. So, first off, let's go now. You're there, you're playing, doing well on the D-line. Biggest difference for you playing college football and then playing in the NFL? Well, you know, when you move up from, from one level to another, there's always going to be the speed, right? The speed's obviously a little bit faster, and you adapt to that as you go. Um, but, you know, the main difference is, and it's the best difference, is when I come home from football practice, I don't have to do homework. No, homework would definitely be the best part about going, bro. That probably in the money, too. Yeah, yeah, it's the best. I mean, I just can focus on football, come home and watch film and hang out, and I don't have to worry about doing any homework, so it's great. Isn't that a weird thing? Because when I first got in the pros, I thought, wow, these days are going to be short because I don't have study hall or to study. But it's amazing how they still take up your time, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they find a way to monopolize your time, for sure. I mean, I get in the facility every day around 6, and usually leave around 7.30. So, I mean, you're watching film and practicing and lifting and doing treatment and all that, so. Did you have a, did you have a kind of a moment like, oh, wow, okay, this is the NFL. This is, this is maybe something happened in practice or in a game like, wow, th this is big time here. Yeah, so uh, it was during OTAs. Uh, we didn't have any pads on yet, but I took on a double team from two of the older offensive linemen, and I came off the ball and took on a double team and got put back into the, the you know the, the hook curl zone. So I was just like, I got to keep my pad level low. Welcome to the NFL, you know what I mean? So, uh, I mean, the competition level, everyone's great. So um, that was something that I experienced early when I first got there. And So keep your pad level low. That, that's all you got to do. Low man wins, right, Mike? What's, what's that? Low man wins. Low man wins, yeah. That doesn't change from Little League all the way through the NFL. So, again, Kurt holds a record 61 games played at Notre Dame and also was here last year when Marcus Freeman was the defensive coordinator. So everybody is falling in love with Marcus Freeman. But even as he said, I know I have to win, and it started out rough, as you know, because even in the NFL, guys follow their colleges all the time. So... Give everybody kind of on the, the inside look at what Marcus Freeman is like. Yeah, uh, Coach Freeman's a hard-working dude. He's a gritty guy. Uh, you know, we used to classify him as a foxhole guy. He's going to be there every day uh, in the hole with the guys working. Um, he's everything you'd want in a head coach. Uh, you know, he can be, you know, the CEO. He can be the player's coach. Um, but he's everything you want in a head coach. Works extremely hard. He's young. He's gung-ho. He wants to win. He's hungry. His players are hungry. Um, everyone that he's brought to the facility in the front office and the coaches, they're all hungry and they're hungry to win. And uh, I think it's going to start showing. They're, tre they're trending upwards. So you played 61 games at Notre Dame. At what point were you deciding that 
I'm just going to wear the eye black in the scariest way possible and function no, lo no longer matters to me. I actually, I started doing that when I was a little kid. Um, my mom has pictures of me running around, you know, my uniform, my football uniform when I was a little kid. And I used to wear the eye black and stuff around the house and I used to always wear it. So it's been my thing my whole life. You know, the one thing, even when you go to the NFL, a lot of times you still watch your college or you have the bets in the locker room when colleges play one another. If, if you have seen Notre Dame play some this year, what, what have been your thoughts about how they, how they started out? Yeah, I mean, obviously we saw them at Ohio State, and they looked great. Um, they looked really good against a good Ohio State team. Um, you know, then they had an off week against Marshall, but I don't think everyone sees the picture behind it. it. No one knows what's going on behind the scenes in the facility. I mean, no one knows that the whole team got back from Columbus the next morning at 10.30 uh, a.m., and they had to practice later that day, and then throughout the rest of the week had to practice and continue to grind. So no one knows they had a quick turnaround like that. No one knows that, you know, they had to go through all that adversity and stuff. So. Everyone sees the score with Marshall and they see how they play, but they don't know those guys are dead. You know what I'm saying? And, and uh, but then you see them against North Carolina and they look great, right? And then they struggle a little bit against against Cal, but they're trending upwards, right? And I think they're going to be a great team. I believe in Coach Freeman. I think he's going to be a great coach here. One thing about this Stanford team that we'll talk a little bit about later is that their offensive line is very banged up tomorrow. And when you're preparing for a game as a D lineman and you find out that you're playing against guys that might be injured or, or backups, does that change your game prep at all? Are you hungrier to get more sacks and you know you're against players who might not be as, as experienced? Uh, I mean, not really, right? You show up and you game plan against anybody. Um, I'm coming, you know, the way I look at it, I'm coming to do my job. I don't care who's across me. I'm going to do my job to the best of my ability as hard and as fast as I can. doesn't matter who I'm playing. doesn't matter if the guy's 260 or 350. You know what I mean? So you just show up and you play, and it doesn't matter who's in front of you. That's the that's the Mike Tomlin nameless gray faces uh, yeah. anecdote right there. Exactly. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. I, I will say, though, they always say, oh, you want to play against the other team's best. I'm like, I don't care if their top guy is out. I mean, all of a sudden, if a guy you're going to play against who's a great player is out of the game and you get his backup, you don't feel bad a bit, do you? No, it don't matter. So your brother is on the team currently, is that right? Yeah, 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 he's here. Do you feel like you have an inside look into what's going on with Notre Dame? Is he giving you any, like, behind-the-scenes information or scoop about, you know, anything going on with the team this year? Uh, not really, no. I try to let him do his own thing, right, because I came and did my own thing, and I kind of made my own legacy, and I want him to create his own legacy. I don't want him to have to feel like he has to live up to what I did. I want him to create his own legacy, and I think he can be great here. I know he can be great here. Um, so I kind of just let him do his own thing. I call him I call him as a brother, not as someone that went to Notre Dame as a Notre Dame alum. I don't drill him a question. I call him as a brother. How's it going? How's school? All that stuff. How how much older are you than him? Uh, you had to look to He's him check. to find out? Oh, yeah, I'm four uh, years older than him. Oh, okay. So, so did you beat the crap out of him growing up? <laughs> no, you could say, listen, I'm the youngest. I got the crap kicked out of me, so... It happens. It makes you a better man, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you're from Pittsburgh. Yeah. My family's from Pittsburgh. Okay. There's certain things that people from Pittsburgh say that no one else says in the rest of the country. Yeah. Are any of those words in your vocabulary? Are you are you on the Texan sideline saying like, hey, Yins, we got to get our stuff together and get out on the field? No, uh, but the one thing that I noticed that I don't even know if it's a Pittsburgh thing, but I think it's more of a Northeastern thing is that uh, – I got made fun of it as a lot. I say tournaments. Like if I'm going to compete in a tournament, everyone else says tournament. 
and that was news to me. Right? Wow. Right? right? Interesting. E everyone else says tournament, and they told me that I'm pronouncing it wrong, and I'm like, no, it's it's a tournament. Tor that's a that's, right. the, that's uh, a very Yinzer way of pronouncing yeah. it, though, tournament. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, everyone, you do, they bust my chops, and I, I they say sometimes, you know, I sound like I'm from Pittsburgh, and um, <laughs> but they say I talk really fast, and you know, the end of my words are short. Everything sounds like a question. So, <laughs> so. If you're from there, do, do you still eat the Permani Brothers, or is that, is that just for the visitors? No, you eat it. You eat it. Yeah, it's, it's you delicious. Eat it. yeah. You eat oh, French fries on everything, Mike. I, when I was calling games there, they'd bring them up to the booth. So I, I love that stuff. It was awesome. Are you a Steelers fan? Um, I you, was a Steelers you fan. You can't say because now you're on the Texans. Texas but you fan. grew up a Steelers fan. Yeah, I grew up a Steelers fan. You know, uh, Steelers Sunday in Pittsburgh, it's a, it's a holiday. You know, you go over your cousin's house or your friend's house, and everyone makes a bunch of food for dinner, and you watch the game at one o'clock and then you eat dinner it was awesome it's a holiday mike and i have an ongoing bet on our show and you don't have to say your opinion on it because i know you're an nfl player now and you probably yeah, you don't, don't want, want to throw in any bulletin board material but mike and i have an ongoing bet over whether or not the steelers will be in last place in the afc north by the end of the season i said they won't be mike says they will be I'm not really sure where we stand right now. I'm kind of, I'm kind of coming around to it. They're playing pretty bad they're starting a rookie quarterback which which i get it's the right thing to do but Man, I'm sorry. They're they're just they're just gonna finish last. Kurt, don't answer that one at all. Don't yeah, answer yeah, that. Yeah, you want you want nothing to do with that. Here's the thing. So again, Kurt Heinisch, everybody owns the Notre Dame record. He played in 61 games. So I have I when I was doing shows, I would ask people that had records all the time, "Do you want to see their record? Your record broken?" And they would be very nice and say, "Oh yeah, records were meant to be broken and all that." Because I've always been, hell no. No, I don't want anyone to break my record. There you go. That's all right. Like if that. there was one person that was going to break my record, I'd want it to be him. There That's you it. go. I love that. I don't want my, any records. No, I don't have any records. But <laughs> if I had them, I, I'm with you, right? If they Now, if they break it, somebody breaks it, cool. You'll shake their hand and all that. But you're not wishing for it to happen. No, no. I want to keep my records too. I'm with you, Mike. Yeah, I want to keep my records. No, yeah. no. But all oh, people on the show, oh yeah, records are meant to. I'm thinking bullshit. Come yeah, on, yeah, yeah. who are you kidding? Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Wow. All right. So before we let you go, I really appreciate you stopping by. Kind of give everybody a, you know, because at Notre Dame, you're only playing for the playoffs and the national championship, and no two-loss team has ever gotten there. It's probably not going to happen playoffs this year. So. Notre Dame fans get antsy. So leave them with some words of encouragement for the rest of this year and what going on the next couple of years. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was at practice yesterday. I got to be around the facility. It, it's a young program that they're building from the ground up. Um, they got a lot of new coaches. So um, they're trending upwards. I mean, everyone in that building is extremely hungry. No one's satisfied with anything that's going on. Even if you talk about the win over North Carolina, the guys in the locker room are still talking about, well, you know, they still put up all those points on us that we let them back in the game. Right. They, they, they talked about BYU. They, they, you know, they were like, we let them come back. Right? So no one's happy with what's going on, but they're, they're trending upward. Everyone's hungry. When you have a, a collective group of guys that are hungry, you're going to do very well. All right, everybody. Kurt Heinis, give him a round Thank of applause. You. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks for coming by, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks. We're going to have Bob Golick up next. <laughs> he will be our, our next guest on the show. Yeah. In how a about few that? minutes. My brother, Bob, who did who did beat me up when I was we were younger. Here's the thing, Mike. So I grew up with one older sister. She's actually here tonight. Uh, flew in from abroad to, to see the show. Right. She also went to Notre Dame. When I was little, she used to beat me up all the time. She was uh -huh. three years older. She was bigger than me. But then I got older and bigger than her. 
and I reciprocated. Well, you so should. It always comes back around. That's exactly right. You should do it. All right, so now we go from the young to the very old. <laughs> Everybody, if you if you don't know him, it's my brother Bob Golick joining us right now. He'll pod you up. Oh. Not He's yet. not on yet. He will be in a second, though. We'll get it. We'll get the microphone up. So, again, Bob was part of the 1977 national championship team. I was probably 14, 15 years old watching that. It was an incredible, incredible year. And you guys are all having a reunion this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, you were, I think you and our brother Greg were out drinking. And. I mean, no, there was no alcohol on campus, so you couldn't have been doing that. Uh, no, I was, I was loaded. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I thought so. Yeah, there's no, no doubt about it. Dad's favorite thing was, he always said, "I love Notre Dame. We could take, I could take my kids, drop them off in the middle of school or in the middle of the campus, and not have to worry about them." <laughs> well, normally you didn't. People would take care of us, but didn't mean oh, we yeah. were. Plus, we were Never. bigger than most people. That's true, too. That yeah. helps. That's true, That too. worked out pretty good. So, now, again, we always have to, when we bring Jess in, Jess graduated with Sydney in 2016. So, she has zero clue. But, as I said, her dad lived above you in, in Flanner. So, we do have that, you have that connection. That's very cool. I, I just don't, and I'll tell you what, Flanner was a place to be. And we had parties on, like, like five different floors. <laughs> Charlie Weiss. Yeah, Charlie Weiss lived in Flanner with us. Wow. And on game day, Charlie Weiss, we would send him up to Michigan to get beer because it was Michigan was 18. It was an 18 state, so we sent Charlie up to get beer, put it in the ice, and put it in the cooler. And so when the game was over, we'd come back and be ready to replenish our liquids. Carbs. And then he became Carbs. then he became the head coach or something. There you go. Yeah, yeah that's you're the, true. Jess, I've heard you're of the him. one that said carbs, right? Yes, carbs are good. I also heard you guys were talking back in the in the room back there about keg keg tossing oh, contest. So again, anybody in our age area who went to Notre Dame remembers Antostal. You know, when you had all the competitions, the keg toss. The mud race, the mattress race. I think we got. Uh, I don't think we did that when I was. No, a you didn't, because too many people got freaking hurt. And they did the right thing and stopped doing it. Yeah, Bob I was throwing kegs into the crowd and stuff. And I didn't hit anybody. <laughs> I actually was there. I think it was the last keg toss, and and uh, it it went sideways into the crowd, and everybody ducked except the last girl. And so I had to kind of sit there and, and put pressure on the wound. Yeah, she broke her ankle. Yeah, that's probably why they don't do the keg yeah, toss anymore. So they, yeah, yeah they, it they was good, but I've I, I got a feeling that whole thing is probably politically incorrect now or something. Yeah, yeah. The whole antostal thing. Yeah, the, the keg tossing probably is not worth the liability anymore. It, it is not. So, again, in 77, um, <laughs> their team, you'll see, you guys are going to go on the field, I'm sure, during one of the breaks in the game. Yeah, I think they said uh, the first time out in the first quarter. They want yeah. to get us in and out real in quick. Out. Well, you're all old. You got to go to bed. So. Well, well, we've got the tailgate party before, and we're all gonna. We used to all get together and talk about like women and stuff. Yeah. Hey, what are, who are you dating now? Now we talk about who's got like new 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 joints. Yeah. Oh, I just got my hips replaced. Yeah. I just got my shoulders replaced. That's how it works. That's how it works. So that season, again, if if people that don't remember, they had one loss during the season. They beat Texas in the Cotton Bowl. 
That's when Earl Campbell was a Heisman Trophy winner. The kicker, Russell Erksleben, was a Groza winner. They had uh, Brad Shearer, I think, was the outlet Brad winner. Brad Shearer, they had the Russell Erksleben, Te like you Texas, said. Texas was so heavily favored in that game, and these guys beat him 38-10. to 10. And this is back when you had to get voted then to yeah. be the national championship. But what I want to ask first is, second game of the season, you go to Mississippi and you lose. Yeah. So, again, we're not in a conference. You get that loss early in the season. If you can remember, because I know it was a long time ago. No, I what, remember. What, what I remember it? looking. I remember sitting in the bus coming from the airport to go to our hotel and seeing motorcycle cops with arms bigger than any of ours. And I'm thinking, dude, that's just not even a good sign. These guys had, they were like ripping their, their short sleeve shirts, driving motorcycles. It was like chips on steroids or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we lost 20 to 13. Man, I don't remember where my keys are. Yeah. And I remember 20 to 13. What the hell is that all yeah, about? Yeah, no, listen, Chris, my wife says that all the time. You, you can remember a play 20 years ago or 30 years ago. But we ended up, yeah, but we ended up um, basically having to win everything yeah. after that. We beat Clemson later in, later in the season. Always good to beat Clemson, I, Well, I was going to ask you, hypothetically, if, if I hadn't seen any of the games from 1977 and they were on, on YouTube or something, which ones should I watch? Like, what, what you, encapsulates that national championship you, season? Young lady. Young lady. <laughs> the 1977 USC game. Yes. The green jersey game. It's a, actually, I think they're making it into a cartoon on one of the streaming things. Oh, interesting. One of those streaming. I, I, would, I would love if you just I'm like just... scooped some big studio with that news, though. That would be great. Did you guys have the forward pass yet, or was that still a few years later? We had just gotten it, and <laughs> and with face masks. She needs a... She, you, you told I, her I to say something. No, yeah. I no. do this to Mike every week. She does week. this to me every week. She's, podcast, she was sitting yeah. over there going, you mean there was a time with no forward pass? Yeah. The next thing you're going to tell me, they didn't have face masks. Uh -huh. well, look at Mike. Those times yeah. too. Look at yeah. Mike. Oh, stop it. That's not <laughs> nice. But the 77 game, again, those of age will remember it. So the they came out in their blue jerseys. They didn't know they were going to wear green while they were out warming up. Green jerseys were put in their lockers, and you explain it when you went in from from warmups back into yeah. the locker room. Well, first off, we used to have the the uh, pep rally at uh, Stepton Center, right? And we had uh, and um, oh God, the basketball coach Digger Phelps. Digger Phelps. Yep. He gets up there and he starts yelling, "Green machine, green machine." We're all going, "We wear blue, dude." <clears throat> And I thought maybe the basketball team got new uniforms or something. <laughs> right, right. So the next day we're getting dressed for the game. We've got we've got our socks, but instead of blue and gold on the socks, we've got green and gold. And we said, hey, all right, finally we understand. We stretched, we worked out, we went back into the locker room, and my locker was one of the first ones. Uh, when we walked back in, and I thought I saw this green jersey, and the first thing I thought was. Cool, free stuff. Yeah. They're going to give us like a, it's like one of those T-shirts where it's got USC Notre Dame and the helmets going together. There you go. And that, about then I hear Terry Urich, who was one of our captains, say, put it on. And we, we may have, I think we almost lost a couple players because in those days, we didn't, they didn't think it was important 
that we see uh, see what we look like. Right. And as soon and we were like in navy blue and gold, but we put the green jerseys on. We were fighting for two little mirrors. There's like <laughs> two little mirrors in there, and it was like I, I just something I'd never seen before until until I worked in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> so then to add to that, what happened was then they they made a Trojan horse and they wheeled a Trojan horse onto the field. And inside of it were people dressed in green jerseys, and they yeah. came out of the Trojan horse. That's when we first knew there was going to be green jerseys, and we were like, oh, my God. And you guys kicked the living well, crap I, out I, of them. I remember coming down, too. We came down out of the locker room into the tunnel, and we were on one side, and they were holding us back. And then USC came out the other side, out of their locker room. And they're all coming out and they're looking at us and seeing the green jersey and literally watching some of the players go, put their head down and just shaking their head like, oh, crap. Yeah. And when we went out on the field, it was, I mean, it was berserk. It was absolutely the most beautiful thing I, I think yeah, we've, we ever, we could ever see. Was that the same team Rudy was on? <laughs> no, Rudy was not on that team. I'm now, just kidding, Mike. Well, no. let me ask you, let me tell you this real quick. We were only supposed to wear those jerseys for one game. Right, for that game. For that game, for that game only. And after the game was over, everybody was saying, we had an alumni going, hey, I'll give you 500 bucks for your jersey. You know, we're college kids. And if I, I may, we may or may not have. That sounds like an impermissible benefit. We may or may not have bartered. That was the start uh, of NIL. Well, let's, let's, put it this, let's put it this way. When they said, we're going to wear the green jerseys the rest of the season, we all went, Coach, so they had to order new ones. We ordered new ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah they had that to order sense. new ones for us. That makes sense. So <laughs> when you guys go to the Cotton Bowl, and again, I think you were number five in the country. Five in the country, yeah. Texas, Texas was, was number one. one. When you beat Texas, did you guys in the locker room think, know whatever at that point that you were going to be number one because it wasn't in your hands it wasn't yeah. like today you know so you had to wait for the vote yeah. to come out what was the thought in the locker room after after we won the texas game immediately that night we started drinking yeah and then we got on we got on a jet it may or may not have been a private jet and it may or may not have some of the players who were like the, some of the, you know, and An we may or may not have it. stayed in a condo in uh, Florida. Bob, you're going to get all these wins vacated if you keep going I'm, on. Like I'm not. This. A, I'm just saying, may or may not have. Allegedly. Allegedly. Right. So anyway, we're watching TV the next day. We figured out the guy they had locked the, their their bar, so we had a couple of guys that could pick the locks. So we started drinking for breakfast. And, uh, and then we saw it on TV. We had found out that Oklahoma was, I believe they were number two. I think they were two. And they were playing Arkansas, led by Lou Holtz. And Lou Holtz that week actually suspended some of his top players because they didn't study or something. Right, right. Oh, who are you kidding? Arkansas never studied. They did uh, something. They started out, stayed out of curfew. That was part of his audition as Notre Dame head coach, right? I think so. Yeah. So well, we're, we're like, there's no way on God's green earth right. that, uh, that Arkansas is going to beat Oklahoma, and they did it. So, I mean, that you, you had to rely on that. Oklahoma wins that yeah. game. They were going to be number one probably, right? We thought so. 
We yeah. thought so. And then it was such a, a significant win for Arkansas. And then with us being 38 to 10 and basically shutting down, I mean, we, I think Earl Campbell still had about 100 yards, but I, I literally had 20 tackles on yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, and, you guys destroyed him. Yeah. yeah. It was a hell of a game. And I know, and I heard this for a fact, this may or may not be true. When, when I played for the Browns, when I played for the Cleveland Browns at nose tackle, and I played against the Houston Oilers, who my, my darling brother played for, and Earl Campbell played for, I, 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 I heard that possibly you would go over to Earl and say, you know, this is your chance to get him back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, winning the pros. You didn't this, win in college. This the is pros. your chance. Look, Earl, your thighs are twice as big as they were in high school and yeah, college. That is so true. That is oh so my true. God. Oh, man. So, that, that, so they win the national title. He must title. have looked amazing in the shower. Oh, God. Had to. It's like A.J. Dillon for the Packers now. I'm so jealous of his thighs. Bob, do you think – I mean, obviously you were ranked number five, so you wouldn't have been in a four-team playoff. But if you think you – if Notre Dame were playing in the playoff era in 77, do you think you still would have won the national championship? Yeah, I, I – I, yeah. 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 Great thing you can say, yeah, because nobody knows, right? Yeah, that's right. We yeah. would have killed everybody. Yeah, exactly. In fact, they could have put Oklahoma and Texas together, got an all-star team of all the other four teams, and we would have beat them. Or there you go. He's or so not. full of it. So uh, before you head out, what, what, what are all you guys doing? So, again, you guys will see them around campus tomorrow and at the game. Your 77 title team reunion. What what what's kind of the plan for you guys the next couple of days? We're doing a we're doing a tailgate party, and then we've got the uh, the early bird dinner for uh, right before the, for the football game. We're gonna go and we're they're gonna they're gonna have us come out. The team come out the first time out in the first quarter. That way we can get to bed early. And um, there you go. <laughs> You should probably go with them. I know. I probably should because I, I, I need to go with them. You know what? It's like when we work together, we have to, like, rip on ourselves yeah. on, each, on ourselves because we know if we don't, the other one the will. The other one yeah. will. Yeah. Yeah. We, we beat them to the punch. It's called it's having a sibling. Oh, yeah. 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 That's exactly right. I was going to say it. that, yeah. too. Exactly. All right, dude. Everybody, Bob Golick, 77 national champs. Hey. All right. And... And it has not been 45 years since that game. Yeah, it has, old man. Stop counting. You don't have enough fingers to figure that out. <laughs> oh, we'll See stop you, counting. Sure. See you, man. We got you. <laughs> Mike, I think now we should probably talk a little bit about the game tomorrow. Yes. What we expect to see from Notre Dame and Stanford. Obviously, it's a rivalry game, although I'm curious what your thoughts are about the rivalry because I know – the rivalry didn't start until annually, right. I should say, until after you you left right. Notre Dame. So, what do you think of Stanford as a fan? I, I, I don't I don't look at it as a rivalry. Certainly not like USC or not like when we played Michigan a lot as well. I I, I don't have it in that category at all. Um, Stanford certainly has played as tough at times. I know the year my son Mike and Jake were on the team in 2012 when Stanford came here. There was that goal line stand, oh, that yeah. big goal line stand to get that win, uh, to keep them undefeated. Uh, this game, in all honesty, uh, listen, Stanford's O-line is hurt. A few guys are hurt on that O-line. 
They're having a bit of a down year. This, in my opinion, should be a comfortable Notre Dame win. Uh -oh. But as soon as we say something like that. As soon like as you that, say that, I get scared, though, I know, Mike. but listen, we had BYU in a comfortable win, and then they make a little bit of comeback. I have a feeling most of the games this year are going to be like that, yeah. where they'll maybe be closer than they should at times. But Stanford has gone through some tough games. Uh, I think they're worn out a little bit. The injury bug has hit him some. I really think we'll control this game tomorrow night. Well, the good news is, uh, well, maybe good news, unless you're superstitious. Notre Dame is heavily favored yes. to win the game. Stanford has not beaten an FBS opponent yet this season. They've lost all of their FBS games. The only team they've beaten this season is Colgate. So you really don't want Notre Dame to be part of that statistic. I, I, I mean, I think Notre Dame would have to so not play their game, which at times we've seen them do. Again, they're young at some positions. But I think the ground game will control the intermediate pass game, except to Michael Mayer, who is just absolutely incredible yeah. with what he's done. Well, hopefully Stanford does what BYU did last weekend, and they just don't mark him at all. How BYU is covering Michael Mayer, I have no idea what the hell you call that. I mean, I, I listen, Michael Mayer can beat a lot of people, but, I mean, feel free to use a couple of guys <laughs> on him. I mean, cover him over the top a little more. It was ridiculous. I will give some credit. Stanford has a pretty good quarterback, Tanner McKee. He's getting, he's getting NFL hype. And I unfortunately watched the Stanford-Oregon State game last weekend. And to do a little prep for this, right. he had some good throws. If he you did. give him time in the pocket, he can make some good pro-level throws. And Stanford's got some big wide receivers he can throw to. However, time in the pocket is not something they're going to have a lot no. of tomorrow going against that Notre Dame D-line. So yeah, completely agree. I think if Notre Dame controls both lines of scrimmage, maybe the heavily favored is, I think is it's worth what, taking. 17 and a half points? Something like that. I think yeah. it's right, right around that uh, area. Listen, Notre Dame is built on their lines, O-line, D-line, and I, I think they should absolutely be able to control control the game now we have a little bit of, of swag to hand out yes, for we people, do. but we're only going to hand out swag if mike can answer this question okay and i don't know if he's going to get this one because mike's not very good at trivia all right i might need help so mike notre dame and stanford play for a trophy do you know the name of the trophy that the teams play for do i know the name of the trophy that notre dame and stanford plays for It's not a shillelagh. Why am nice I asking try. you? Come on. It's not. It's one of the few Notre Dame rivalry trophies that's not a shillelagh. All right. so I, Mike, I, do, I do think I know. If you know it, we'll give someone. Maybe if no. anyone helps you out, we'll give them some DraftKings it's, here. It's the Legends Trophy. There you go. Woo! The Legends Trophy. Good, good Worth job, some Mike. Stuff. I, that, I'm giving it to that guy in the green hat over there. That guy in the green hat over there, the guy who in the green. totally no, no, did yeah, not cheat yeah, yeah. and tell Mike good the job. answer. Good job to that guy. I, I, I never played Stanford when I was here. Well, Mike, I read that since 1988, Notre Dame has played Stanford every year except three years. Yeah. I graduated in 85, Jess, so, so I never there, played him. So there you go. There you go. Well, one of the years was 2020, so, you know, yeah. unforeseen circumstances there. <laughs> Aside from Notre Dame-Stanford tomorrow, there's going to be a lot of really good college football games on. We talked a little bit on our show this week about some of them, but uh, before we get into Tennessee-Alabama, which is really the game of the That's day, the game it's of the, the week, CBS 3.30 yeah. game tomorrow. If anyone here is tailgating and they have a flat screen TV, 
Find me after the yeah. show, and I will watch it at your tailgate. Because don't, don't most people now have flat screens when they tailgate? I mean, isn't that you kind know, of a prerequisite? A lot of people do, but it's not. It's not super common, Mike. You still got to. You still got to seek it out here. I think. What the hell are you people doing? I mean, how do you tailgate and not watch? If you're going to tailgate from ten in the morning until seven thirty, nine in the morning until nine until seven thirty. You got to be watching something, right? I agree with you. I, right. I mean, you know, not not to compliment Clemson, but everyone at Clemson had a flat screen. Oh, it's something we need to work on Stop it about Clemson. If you have I, a flat screen, you're watching the Alabama Tennessee your, game. Find me after the show, and I'll come to your tailgate. Talk to your parents on how that's they let how you I go get, to Clemson. That's how I get free food and drinks from people. Yeah. Tell them <laughs> to watch TV at their at their tailgate. When my brother was up here, there was a lot of talk about drinking, wasn't there? There was, yeah. yeah. there was. Sign of the times. Kind of scared me a little bit. But Tennessee-Alabama is going to be a, an exciting game. Your son, Mike, is calling another really excited game, exciting game this weekend with TCU and Oklahoma State. Um, what are you looking forward to watching tomorrow other than, I mean, of course, the Notre Dame-Stanford so, game? So, again, as I said earlier, it's a second time in college football that three games feature undefeated teams that are have at least five are at least five and zero. Oh. It is uh, Penn State at Michigan. It is. <laughs> I should say real quickly. If I didn't go to Notre Dame, I would have gone to Michigan. Why would you say that here? I'm just telling you. You could have kept that to yourself. I don't know what to tell you. I believe in being honest with everybody. Read the room, so, my God. So Penn State, Michigan. Oklahoma State is at TCU. They're both 5-0. and That's a game my son Mike is calling. And then, of course, Tennessee at Alabama, which we don't know yet about Bryce Young, if he's going to play or not. I think uh, he will. I, I think he will. Seems like he will. But I think what we're seeing, and I don't know if all of you agree in college football, I think we're seeing, while we know the top teams, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, we're seeing the gap close maybe a little bit. I don't know if the portal has something to do with that. Or this obviously the spreading around of talent, but if ten even if Bryce Young plays and Tennessee beats Alabama, I'm not going to be like, oh my God, this is the greatest upset of all time because I don't think it will be. I think Tennessee's a hell of a team. I think uh, Michigan is is playing well this year. I think Oklahoma State and TCU are playing well. Ole Miss is playing well. Mm -hmm. So I I almost wish that we're going to expand the playoffs and we can talk about that. And while also we'll talk about, is Notre Dame going to join a conference? But The dreaded question. The, yeah, it, it is. But I almost wish that the playoffs were expanded this year. Yeah. Because I think there's going to be a lot of good teams that, that are going to be left out. I agree with you. There are a lot of really good teams. And I'm, I'm actually excited to watch this Michigan-Penn State game because yep. – Michigan has not played that many, uh, that much tough competition this season so far. So this is going to be a real test for them. And I think, you know, I don't know if you watched any of the Iowa Illinois game last weekend. Ugh. The the nine six slug. Iowa pass. has no offense at all. This is going to be a low scoring game, but with good defenses. Right, right. Not a low scoring game with bad with offenses. Bad, right, exactly. And there's a difference. And I know you're a defensive guy, oh, well, and you I love know. watching a, a defense yeah. duke it out. Anytime good defenses are playing, it's low score. People say, oh, this game sucks. And I'm like, no, it's good defenses. Right. Unlike the game last night, anybody watch Washington and the Bears play, that was horrific. That was absolutely horrific. Well, that's bad offenses. Oh, that was god awful. Uh, but so, yeah, I, I really think um, uh, the, the, the gap is closed between the great teams 
and the really good teams, and I look forward to the playoffs being expanded. Another thing that has happened this season, which is pretty crazy through only six weeks, there's been five Power 5 coaches fired, fired so far. Right. Uh, none of them really in the immediate competition vicinity of Notre Dame, but as we saw at the end of last season, one head coach leaving or getting fired can lead to a, a pretty big ripple effect everywhere. Right. So do you see that any of these Power 5 head coach openings having an impact on Notre Dame and their staff? No, I don't think they will. Um, we know Al Golden was a head coach uh, at the U. He's been a head coach at a couple of places. So he might be, be a guy that gets another shot, possibly. At this point, I don't see anybody else going right now. I'll say this, though. I think in college football next year, you will see two coaches who haven't coached in college football for a few years. I think Matt Rule, who just got fired by Carolina, will be back in college. And I also think Urban Meyer will be back in college, coaching college football again. Urban Meyer will never coach in the NFL again. Right. <laughs> and he did that I to mean, himself. Nothing would surprise me. Yeah, ho horrible. But uh, he'll, he'll coach in college again. Another big game tomorrow that does kind of impact Notre Dame for the rest of the season. NC State number 15 at number 18, Syracuse. Mike, Syracuse is actually favored in this game because NC State's uh, stud quarterback, Devin Leary, is out. Syracuse is playing good. There are two schools that are basketball schools, Syracuse and Kansas, yeah. that all of a sudden are having really good football seasons. I know Kansas just had their first loss. But they're playing well. It's great to see. And Notre Dame goes to the Carrier Dome later in the year. I don't think it's the Carrier Dome anymore. Oh, no, I'm sure it's not. Just, they renamed it Just finally. like in Pittsburgh, it's not Heinz Field, but yeah, it'll always be Heinz, Heinz Field. Field to me. So do you want, you want Syracuse to win all their games until they play Notre Dame? And that gives uh, Notre Dame a better shot I, at having I don't, I don't think, schedule? I don't think Syracuse is good enough to be that consistent until we play them. I think that they'll drop one. Uh, I, I do think they will. But – for the rankings, it's always good for all Notre Dame opponents to win. So you hope yeah. they win, and you hope they are you know have a great record when we play them. One other Notre Dame opponent playing a ranked team this weekend is USC. So obviously that's the last game of the season. USC could be in the top five, even like top yeah. four at oh, that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, what are you looking for in this game against Utah? Well, uh, well, against UConn, I mean. Utah. Utah, I'm sorry. Utah is always has a very, very tough defense, always a tough defense. And USC is living off their offense right now uh, with the big playability from quarterbacks and great athletic wide receivers. So I think this is a great matchup, a matchup of two teams battling for the Pac-12 right now. And what this is what you see in college football now because of coaching changes and the transfer portal is teams that were average can become really good yeah. in a year and that's exactly what usc has done and wouldn't it be great if usc went undefeated and notre dame ruined their perfect absolutely. season at the end of the year absolutely listen it was like again when my boys were here in 2012 they were undefeated last game of the season was usc and i'm sure that's all usc talked about was let's ruin their season they didn't alabama ruined the season uh, but yeah that would be great because like i said we have two losses, so I don't think we're gonna, we'll have a shot at the uh, playoffs. And you finish with a couple of big-ranked teams later on in Clemson and USC. Notre Dame is getting better and better. Let's hope they're peaking at the right time. And maybe Syracuse. Maybe three big-ranked teams. Maybe Syracuse. 
ranked, but not as good as those other teams. Yeah, maybe not. Although yeah. if they do win up until that point, they yeah. probably would be like a top 15 team. Yeah, and you got to give them the benefit of the doubt, I guess, which is hard to do for Syracuse. When you were a student, how did you mentally prepare for that USC game every year? Were you just like throwing darts at, at you know, so coaches' faces on the wall and stuff? I spoke at one of the pep rallies. My senior year when I was a captain, I spoke at one of the pep rallies, and I got a small ceramic Trojan horse. And before I went up there, I told all the people in the front row, watch out when I'm up there uh, because of what I'm going to do. And I got up there and I started screaming and yelling and stomping around and I threw it down and smashed it. You know, pep rallies, man. I loved them back then. You just got up there and scream and talk about how the other team sucks and how we're going to beat them and how we need the fans. Oh, it was awesome. Can I admit something to you? Yeah. I've never been to a Notre Dame pep rally. How do you go here and not go to a rally? I just never have been to one. I don't know. I was always busy on Fridays. I don't know if they're more for alumni or or fans than than students. I feel like honesty. they're for people visiting from out of town, right? Yeah, probably. You get your like in person. So. Students kind of know what to expect, and they show up on game day. I think when you're a student, the excitement crescendos throughout the week, right? Until the tailgate ends. Right. When you're coming to campus, you need to get hyped up immediately, so right. you have to go to the pep rally. I, I would agree. You might not need that as a student. Good word, crescendo. Thank you. Well I done. learned that at Notre Dame. That was nice. All right, we got our next guest up here. There, there uh, where, <laughs> He is the analyst for NBC Notre Dame games. Former head coach in the NFL, Jason Garrett. All right, before we get to Jason, there is nothing quite like a beautiful pint of Guinness. The anticipation, that first sip of perfectly balanced bitter sweetness. It's just within your grasp. For almost 300 years, Guinness has been brewing beer in Dublin, and each brew goes through hundreds of quality checks to make sure that pint is perfect. Here's to you and to being together again. Good things come to those who wait. Guinness Draft is imported by Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Please remember to drink responsibly. Always drink responsibly. Like I am going to do right now. There you go. What an ad What an ad read from the pro, Mike Golick. I mean, this guy just knows how to read an ad. Woo! All right, Jason. Listen. All right, so, Jason, we can talk to you, obviously, about Notre Dame and the NFL as well. Let's start with Notre Dame. High expectations, even by the voters early on, had its preseason number five. A lot of us were like, oh, that might be a little high. Played better in the Ohio State game than some people thought. Then you got to call the Marshall game, which was a tough one. Where do you think this team is right now? Well, you, hey, it's great to be with you. You too, man. Always good Huge to see fan. you. Huge yeah. fan. Cleveland guy. I don't know if you know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, through yeah. Through. oh she knows. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you described it perfectly. There, there's a lot of anticipation and excitement about this team. If you think about the Ohio State game, think about what everybody said after that game. It could be a blowout. They played them tough. They were ahead in the third quarter, all that. People were optimistic coming out of the Ohio State game. And then the Marshall game happens next. So it goes from being, we're going to be a good team. We played Ohio State tough. Boy, that could have been a disastrous game. We're right in there, and then you lose to Marshall. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, Marcus lost in the bowl game. 
We lost to Ohio State. We lost to Marshall. Are we ever going to win a game? All of that. You know, and I think what happened was we've seen the team that they're capable of being these last three weeks. The Cal game, I think Drew Pine was getting more comfortable as he played more. Obviously, the North Carolina game was huge. And last week against BYU out in Vegas, that was a big win. So they're playing well. I think they're playing the way they want to play. They're playing with the same kind of identity that I think they thought they were going to have early on in the season. So I, I think I, I think the future is bright. Tomorrow's a big game to keep this role going. I uh, absolutely agree with that. I'm curious your perspective, Marshall being the first home game, so really the first game that you got to call here on campus. And at what point did you realize, like, oh, this isn't going to be uh, the easy one that I thought it was going to be. Things are going to be a little bit different here. How, how do I meet that moment for, for Marshall? Well, the challenge for me was I haven't done a lot of college games before. So I'm watching Marshall on tape, and they look really good to me. They played Norfolk State in week one, and they destroyed them. And I'm like, boy, this is a pretty athletic team. These linebackers can run. They got a lot of guys on defense that play fast. They're playmakers. I like the quarterback. I like the running back. He was a five-star guy who went to Florida State. So I'm thinking to myself, these guys have some elements. And then I look at the Notre Dame tape. I'm like, well, Notre Dame must be just, they, they got to be better. It's Notre Dame. You know, and then Marshall kind of played the game they wanted to play. They kept Notre Dame on their heels. I think Notre Dame felt young to me. They felt young up front. They were kind of starting to gel as an offensive line. They weren't there yet. And Marshall beat them. It wasn't like it was a fluke. Marshall right. beat them in the game. So you went away saying, we have to give Marshall their due. You try to call the game as objectively as possible. And we tried to do that. And then afterwards, you're like, ooh, what's next? What's this team going to be about? And they've responded well. Uh, is the gelling of the offensive line the biggest difference to you between that game and what you saw last weekend in Vegas? This guy will tell you. Since 1892, when Pudge Heffelfinger signed the first contract I've never to play heard pro of, football. I've never heard that name in my Pudge life. Pudge Heffelfinger. Yeah, first guy to we sign We don't make Pudges contract. anymore, yeah. Jason. So, so the deal is... The game has been won on the offense and defensive line since then. Always has been, always will. And you can have as much skill as you want on either side of the ball, but if you lose the line of scrimmage, you're not going to you're not going to win the game. And I think Notre Dame has been known for having great offensive lines, defensive lines, control the line of scrimmage. That's how they've played for 100 years. And I think in that game you saw that they weren't winning the line of scrimmage. They looked young. They didn't look together. Marsha was moving their line. They weren't ready for that, and it just disrupted them throughout. Since then, the offensive line has really gelled. Patterson coming back, being healthy, I think it's helped. The young guys are playing more, getting more experience. They're playing together. I got a good story for you. I, I sat in with Harry Heastan. Oh, man. It, he is special, isn't he? In the offensive line meeting room, and it was just, like, the best. He has the five starting offensive linemen sitting in the front row from left to right. Left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. The backup's behind them. The third guy's behind them. And he conducts the thing as if they're playing. And they talk to each other. They communicate to each other. And I think that environment that they've created where they do everything together, 
is starting to show up on the field. I think that's been a huge difference. Where do you sit if you're the backup guard, but you got to play right tackle sometimes if someone gets hurt? If you're that swing guard. Where, where do you sit? <laughs> you, you I mean, sit. that would confuse me. Let, leave it to you, Jess, to I'm ask just that saying, question. I have so, I that's have a some great question. logistical <laughs> questions about this. She's throwing a monkey wrench in there. Why don't you go ask Harry Heastan that? I'm sure that'll go over well. If I meet him ever, I will ask oh him that God. first thing, Mike. Well, Thank I, you. I, I, the, the other piece of this thing, though, is the quarterback. Drew Pine has played really, really so well. So let me ask you that. So early in the season, you're relying on one quarterback, and now you have to go to your backup. So Marcus and their team deals with it that way, but you've been a head coach for a long time. How do you – I mean, is there a moment where you're like, oh, my God, we lose our starter and then have to regroup? How do you, how do you manage when all of a sudden you have to go to the backup and he's now the guy? Well, here's the sense that I got. I got the sense that it was a really tight quarterback competition all through training camp. I got the sense that everybody in the organization and the program had a lot of confidence in Drew Pine. They went with Tyler Buckner for, for obvious reasons. He's a talented guy. He's played well. He's a playmaker. You can see all that stuff. But you got the sense that it was a close decision. So as, as sad as everybody was, as disheartening as it was to lose Tyler Buckner, they said, we got a guy who we believe in. And that was a tough situation for him to go into in the middle of a game. Everybody's been playing for a while. That's not easy. I've, I lived that life. That was my career. He gets a chance to practice for a week and play. I think we, we're seeing the guy that everybody thought he could be. Early on in Cal, you could tell he was nervous. He had kind of the weight of the world on his shoulders. But once he settled in, once he threw the touchdown pass to Tyree, it's like, hey, I'm going to just go play like Drew Pine can play, and he's done that the last three games and played very well. The phone call on the sideline might have helped. Yeah, the phone. have you ever gotten caught, uh, for those I'm sure that saw Tommy Reese, who got caught on camera swearing while he was talking to his, his quarterback, you ever get nailed on, on camera <laughs> saying some, some bad words? Well, I'm sure I ha absolutely have saying bad words, unfortunately. But you, you, you try to be disciplined. Yeah. You know that when you play at Notre Dame and – the Dallas Cowboys, there's a lot of cameras around, so you try to be good, but it's the emotion of the game. But, you know, like I told everybody, because you get reaction, of course, on Twitter, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm, I'm thinking, do you all think this is the first time this has been said? I mean, obviously players get used to something like that, so it's more the norm to them, but it seems shocking to everybody else. I thought it was a really interesting dynamic because you could tell he wasn't comfortable yet. He was trying to find his rhythm. And we had some shots on the telecast where, you know, Michael Mayer coming over, patting him on the helmet, his teammates encouraging him, and, and stuff that he really needed at the time. And then you have Tommy doing that. So I think the mix of all of that, hey, just do your job. And then, hey, we believe you can do your job. I think that helped him. And then he was able to make a play, and then he was rolling. So he's done a great job for him. What about the job that Marcus Freeman has done, getting things back on the rails after that game? What have you seen in your game prep in, in terms of the message that he's sending the team to make sure that they don't lose another one to Cal the next weekend or BYU or, or North Carolina? Well, to me, it was really impressive because at Notre Dame, there's a lot of attention. People love football. There's a lot of tradition. The standards are high. And when things don't go well, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise in the world right now. Right, that people have to deal with if you're in a high-profile situation. And when things don't go well at Notre Dame on the football field, you hear it. And so one of your biggest jobs as a head coach is to, 
somehow keep everybody locked in and focused on what they need to do. And I thought he and his staff did a fantastic job of that, kind of taking some responsibility for it early on in the week and then probably by the end of the week challenging them and saying, hey, here's what everybody's saying about you. And I thought they responded well to that. It's not an easy situation. So along those lines, you know, we always talk about the, 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 the Power Five conferences. Well, they're at conferences. Notre Dame's not in a conference. So they're only playing for the playoffs and hopefully the national championship. And that's what they work for all offseason going to the season. We've never had a two-loss team in the playoffs. Notre Dame probably not going to be there. So how is that? How would you now send the message to the team about that, you know, a few weeks in and what they're playing for, their ultimate goal? It's probably not going to happen. So what do you use now as motivation? You know, I, I think, you know, Coach Saban down in Alabama, I had a chance to work. I worked for him for two years. I was his quarterback coach when he was with the Dolphins. And he used the word process all the time. And process is this word that people use, and now everybody hate people using it and the whole deal. Essentially what he's saying is, let's put a group of people together and do things the right way every day, and let's get our, our, our satisfaction out of being our best. And the results are going to take care of themselves. So I think if that's your message from day one, certainly in the NFL, you'll want to win the Super Bowl. If you don't, you better get out of the room. You don't belong here as a player, as a coach. Certainly when you're at Notre Dame, you want to win the national championship. You want to, go to, you want to be part of the, the, the bowl championship series. That's what you're doing. We get that. We understand that. But you have to put that aside. We have to be our best every day and to help this team live up to its potential. So that's the message from the start. When you have some disappointment and the results that you don't want, you just get back to work. You work on yourself. You work on the process of what you do each day. And I think if that's the message, it's easier to swallow that and keep moving forward. Well, we have a couple more questions for you. Then we're going to play a quick game and give away a couple more pieces of DraftKings swag. But first, I wanted to ask, what is your process for getting ready for calling these games? Tomorrow, we're going to see a pretty highly touted uh, quarterback for Stanford come in, someone who's getting looks from NFL scouts. How are you evaluating players when you're uh, getting ready to call these games? You know, it's interesting you say that. I'm working on my process. And, you know, I've talked to my announcer buddies who do this for a living, and they say they've been doing it for a long time. They're still working on their process. So as a coach, I had a pretty clear idea what I needed to do. You know, on Monday I'm doing this. On Tuesday I'm doing this to get ready. And, and you get into that routine. I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, the biggest thing I try to do is watch the tape. But then you have to talk to a lot of people. You have to do background. You have to study. You have to read. And you're constantly compiling notes. So tonight I'm going to go back to the hotel, and I literally have a week's worth of notes on yellow stickies, on yellow legal pad, you know, everywhere, all over the place, from all the different conversations we've had. And you try to put it together, process it. What can we really use? You have much more stuff than you could ever come out in a telecast. But you just try to get the background and know them as best you can and then share what you, what you see. It, it is, and I've been calling games for about 20 years, and the one thing that never changes, the game ends, and you look at all your stuff and you didn't use 60% <laughs> of it. You're like, damn. But you got to be ready with it just in case uh, that, that you need it. So also in prep and talking to coaches, how much do they talk about, if at all, what's going on in college football now with the transfer portal? Because that's something big that's changed. That's another layer that's put onto a coach. 
Notre Dame has gotten involved, you know, in that transfer portal. So has it made a coach's job more difficult? Well, you know better than I do. Football is all about players. And then as a coach, you try to create an environment where you can bring the best out in the players. So in the NFL, you better draft well, you're not going to be around very long, right? You better acquire players through free agency, or you're not going to be around for very long. In college, it's about recruiting, right? So that, that's a full-time job for college coaches, always has been, always will be. But now it's not only recruiting for high school, you're, you're recruiting transfers. Transfer portal has to be a big part of what goes into your thinking and building your team. And then the NIL component, all of that, I mean, it's a different world. And you talk to these guys, and the biggest takeaway for me is it's what it is. Don't complain about it. Figure it out. And the teams that figure it out the best are going to be the ones that continue to have success because it is about getting the best players to your program who fit your program and fit your school. So I know it's on the forefront of everybody's mind. Mike, are you ready to do a, a little bit of trivia? I am so bad at trivia. Are you good at trivia? I'll try my best. I'm so horrible. I tried to make a trivia game that you both might be decent at. Okay. So I have four players who played at Notre Dame and played for the Cowboys, and I'm going to give you three facts about each. And whoever wins, whoever gets the most guesses correct, gets to decide who from our audience is going to get our, our final our final piece of draft. All right. Do we so have a buzzer? What do we got to do to let you know we yell know Yell it out. Answer? Yell it out when you know it. I'm not, right. I'm not quite sure I understand the game, but I'm going to try so my best. So she's going to give us facts about a player? I'll give you player. three facts about a player. They played for Notre Dame and the Cowboys. Okay. Do they currently play for the Cowboys, or maybe they did? A little mixed bag. Some of them you probably know pretty well. Okay. okay. So we're, we're, we're supposed to name the player when we hear the name facts. The so just player. blurt out the player. That's okay. what we do. Yell it out on your <laughs> mic. Don't Or slap Mike in the face, actually. Slap, <laughs> no, slap each go. other. Yeah, that'll work. All right. This player... Played for Notre Dame and the Cowboys. He was the first overall pick in the 1995 expansion draft. He is the only Notre Dame quarterback to have a 4-0 record against USC. Steve Berline. There you go. Oh, oh my old teammate. My quarterback here at Notre Dame. <laughs> you should have gotten that one right. I that know. was the easiest I one. I told you I suck at trivia. Jesus, Mike. All right, the next one. <laughs> All right, 1-0 is it. Good job. He's one of the only players in Notre Dame history to be a captain twice. Zach Martin. Yes. You Zach. got it. Hey! Now, All right, so we got a tie. Let me just say, I knew one of them was going to be Zach Martin. And you guessed right. I, wow, okay. I, I, can't, I can't believe you got that. He's one of my all-time favorite players. I was going to say, oh, that was the one I thought you listen, were going to I love he, him He death. was here. He was on the line with my son, Mike, in uh, 2012 when, when Mike and Jake were here. And what a great guy. I mean... Unbelievable, and I mean, a, a walking into the Hall of Fame. My, my other fun fact about him was that he was a bowl game MVP and the first offensive lineman to be a bowl game MVP in like 60 years or something like that. Really? Right. Yeah. yeah. Offensive linemen don't usually get the MVP of a bowl game, but we love to see it when they do, right? All I got to say, all I got to say is I'm glad Jerry Jones was talked out of Johnny Manziel. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> this player set a Notre Dame single game school record at running back against the University of Pittsburgh. He was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys and he is from the state of Virginia. Julius Jones. Yes. Oh, wow. Well done. There I have go. no clue. No clue on that. That's a recent one. 
It's a real wow. I coached him. I love Julius Jones. All right, last one. Last one. So if I get it, we tie, and then we can yeah, both so it's get two one right now. We get now. to tear the hat apart or cut okay. it in half or something. All right. This player was a consensus All-American at Notre Dame. His older brother also played for the Cowboys, and he was drafted in the second round of the NFL draft. Jalen Smith? It is Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Oh, how did I miss Jalen Smith? I don't know. I thought you were going to get I didn't that either. Wow, yeah, I didn't know that. Jalen's now with the Giants. Yes, he back is. Back into after that horrific injury. I love Jalen Smith, too. Boy, that injury in the Fiesta Bowl, I mean, he'd have been a first-rounder for sure. So now you have to rank your favorite Notre Dame players you've coached. I'm just kidding. You don't have to no, do that. No, I can't. All right, so I we thought each, for, I thought for sure we'd get a Rocket Ishmael in there. I was, I was gonna, waiting for I was a Rocket Ishmael. I on the list, but I ah. honestly I didn't think you'd get that one, Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't get a couple. I told you I'm <laughs> horrible at this. Horrible. All right, we get to give out a couple of uh, – all right, I, who am I going to give mine to? Who? Somebody yelled out. So, uh, right there behind you. Give it to that guy right there. There you go. Mike, uh, Mike, you did well with the trivia. You sold yourself short. Like I said, I knew. So, Zach I got to pick somebody? One. Yeah, pick someone. He already got one. How about this guy right here, the bald guy? He, he needs a the hat. The bald guy. There you go. There you go. I love that. It's going to be sunny tomorrow. He's going to need that hat. <laughs> so uh, before we let you go, are, are, like you said, you, you haven't been doing this a long time. Are, are you enjoying it? You having fun? I, I really am. Yeah? I really am. It's been fun. The people at NBC have been great. You know, I'm doing the Notre Dame games. I'm doing the Sunday night football studio show with Coach Dungy. So uh, they've been great teaching me as I go. But, you know, I love football. I love coaches. I love players. I love being around it. So it's been fun to kind of share some thoughts on it and, the Notre Dame environment's off the charts. Hey, I would be remiss to not ask you, because, again, you do Sunday night uh, NFL as well. So to ask you about this year, more than other years, we, we use the word parody maybe too much, but I know you have Buffalo and the Kansas Cities of the world, and I'm actually doing the Eagle-Dallas game Sunday, uh, a couple up there, but it seems like there's a lot of two and threes and three and twos and a lot more parody than we've seen in a while. Is there a reason for that? I think it's hard to, to put a finger on it. You know, one of the things that we talked about before the season was getting off to a good start was going to be key. This is the first year in about three years they've had a traditional offseason in the NFL. So the standard of play was going to be higher, but it seems to me that the offenses have struggled. A lot more lower scoring games than we've had in recent years. Maybe the defenses are playing better. Maybe the last couple of years it was like everything was a little bit loose and football is a little bit more challenging because the teams are, are more prepared. But some teams that we thought were going to be good, like you said, are in the middle of the pack, two and three. Some teams we didn't think a whole lot of, they're four and one. Giants four and one. Cowboys four and one. Philly five and oh. So the NFC East is back, my friend. They are. The, <laughs> the two Super Bowl teams are both two and three, under 500. Now, I know you as a coach probably like this, but as a player or, or as a coach didn't like it, but as a player did like it, OTAs are less, you know, where they're getting after it. Aggressive. Training camp certainly is less with no two-a-days. Could that have an effect on some of the play that we're seeing, that there's just not enough hitting or maybe preparation? I believe that to be the case. I do. It's much more than it was the last couple of years because COVID, there was virtually no offseason. Right. Right? 
but you know better than I do. You played a long time. The rigors of a 16. A long time ago. No, but the, oh, my God. The, the rigors of a 16-game NFL season, it's a big deal now. Right. And so there's two ways to think about it. Hey, we got to give them as much rest as possible so they can go through that, or we have to prepare their bodies to do it. I'm kind of of the feeling you got to prepare your yeah. body. You have to lift, you have to run, you have to do all this stuff for a long period of time. And so I think a lot of the injuries we see, we're asking guys to go half speed, and then all of a sudden when the game starts, it's 100 miles an hour. I'm not quite so sure we're prepared as, as much as we need to be. And I think that's something they need to look at. I have one more question for you. Yeah. Um, last weekend, Al Michaels threatened to quit calling football games because the game was so bad on Thursday Night Football. Have you ever seen a game so bad that you wanted to quit football forever? No. no. Football that I, much? I think Al is just one of these genius broadcasters who knows how to throw people some red meat, and people would, ju- would ch- chew all over that. <laughs> I could, I compare it to golf. I don't care how bad I'm playing, I'm still out on the golf course. Yeah. So even and you're if not I'm, very good at golf. I know, I'm not. But if, even if the football's bad, man, we're still playing football. Especially the courses he plays at, right? Yeah, I mean, I know, right? <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, they don't let me on a second time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Garrett. Thank you, Jason, very much. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy the call tomorrow. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, man. Appreciate you coming by. Really do. Thank you. All right. Well, that was awesome. All the guests. I mean, my God. Hey, Mike, credit to you for booking all the guests, by the way. I mean, it's scary because I can never book guests because I never have anybody's numbers. But Jason was so nice. And Kurt Heinisch, my brother Bob, was an easy get. Yeah. Yeah, was definitely an easy get. So our first live show, what do you think? I think it went well. I think for winging it, you did a really good job. Yeah, it must be uh, all the years of experience that you have. Yeah, we had a rundown, but it's in my pocket. I never really I never really pulled it out. And I just remembered at some point, oh, wait, I got to do a read. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to thank everyone for coming out to watch the show. We're so happy to be here at O'Rourke's. And we want to thank our sponsor, Guinness. Absolutely. We love Guinness. We love DraftKings. Uh, we had a really good time coming out here, talking to some guests you're talking about the good old days mike which i know you love to do the good old days right? exactly and you know we're excited for the game tomorrow so thanks again for everyone for coming out it was a, it was a great time and, and and understand you may see her out tailgating tomorrow so make sure you give her food and drink give me be- food and drink and a tv so yeah. i can watch the other college football games and i'll be happy yeah. yeah she'll be your best friend me not so much thank you all we appreciate it y'all take care thank you very much For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.